I wasn't terribly surprised. I thought it made sense dramaturgically. Hello and welcome into the sixth episode of Dramaturgically with your host Stephen Clark. Today we're going to be delving into my first experience um, with one of the most legendary humanistic directors of the 20th century. I'm of course talking about Salyat Ray, who is uh, probably India's most famous film director who was inspired by seeing a copy of Bicycle Thieves in London and after initially being an artist, pursued a a career in film and what an imprint this guy made on not just Indian cinema but world cinema. I mean, probably not appreciated to the fullest extent uh, in his own time, but I am so glad that at the end of his life, this man won a... I believe it was a Lifetime Achievement Academy Award in 1992, just before his death, and absolutely one of the most deserved awards that any filmmaker has has ever received, because even just after seeing um, one of his films, I'm absolutely in love with everything um, that makes this guy an artist, everything, every little detail, every little nuance and his voice is so profound and so strong um even just after one viewing so i cannot wait to delve further into his filmography and hopefully explore and unpack it on the podcast with anyone that chooses to listen along so without any further ado let me actually introduce you to the film that we're watching today from selling out ray which is pater panchali from 1955 Pada Panchali is a depiction of rural Bengali life in a style inspired by Italian neorealism, this naturalistic but poetic evocation of a number of years in the life of a family introduces us to both the little Apu and just as essentially the women who helped to shape him, his independent older sister Durga, his harried mother Sarabayar, who helps while her husband is away, and must hold the family together, and his kindly and mischievous elderly auntie, India. Vivid, multifaceted characters all, with some excellent nuances and uh, brilliant voices throughout, and really the story focuses on the lives of uh, these three characters in particular, but also um, Apu's father, who is often away working, who comes in incrementally throughout the film. But essentially, this film is a very vivid depiction of many, many things. It's, but primarily, it's about poverty, and it's about the lives that these people led, and the harshness and the reality of of life of this time, and and life without money, um, and life of dreamers in a lot of ways. This film has so much to say in on so many different levels. It's quite a hard one to unpack um, just after initially first viewing. What I can say about this film is that it is profoundly emotional. It is profoundly touching. Um, Having only just finished the film myself in the last 30 minutes and have not really taken too much time to reflect, 
um, I can say that this film emotionally absolutely uh, destroyed me and the last frame of the film uh, left me in a bit of a blubbering mess to be honest and I'm not surprised to uh, to read some reviews and to, and to see a lot of people are the same as well it's just such a beautiful touching film um, that's truly uh must have been such a pioneer for its time i cannot imagine what seeing this film in 1955 must have been like i know that a lot of filmmakers have subsequently said that uh seeing this film uh did change their lives in a lot of way i know that martin scorsese uh saw the film um in new york a few years after its release i believe and said that it was one of the big drivers for him um and and i i believe this is a film that india as a country is um profoundly proud of as well um it, it's a film with a with a great story behind it um if anyone doesn't know the story of how this film was sort of saved uh by the criterion collection um and the italian institute of film it's it's a beautiful story um and the british institute as well played a great role as well essentially the the film was owned by the british institute and there was a there was a terrible fire um at the warehouse where the film's initial film negatives were stored and and the film was damaged to a horrific extent, along with a lot of films were lost completely. And essentially, um, no real great copies of this film existed. Some older scratched versions, but essentially the main... Obviously, the original copies of this film were essentially melted. Um, and upon looking at it, the British Institute, instead of just throwing it away, like most people would have in that circumstance, you can find images on of it online. And you can actually find an entire documentary about uh, the saving of this film on YouTube, um, on the Criterion channel, uh, which I implore you to seek out if you're interested in that kind of thing, because it is truly a heroic story. And essentially, the, the film negatives were, were saved and stored. Uh, despite being melted and clumped together and essentially brittle and breaking apart. And many, many years later, um, the film was the film was essentially rehydrated and through a, a, a world of, of, of technical things that I can't even begin to understand, um, the Italian Institute and Criterion were able to save the film and to scan it uh, and do a new 4K restoration which is the exact restoration that I have seen today. And wow, what an absolute uh, leap of faith that um, these men and women took to, to save this film. And it was so worth it because there is something completely sacred about this film. And to think that, to think that essentially it could have been lost to the world um, would have been one of the great shames. And I can't say that enough because I truly believe that had the world have been robbed of seeing this film and this being now an eternal um, representation of, of human art. Um, wow, what what a shame it would have been. Um, yeah, let me let me um, let me unpack the film a little bit further. Um, obviously, this is a spoiler-free review, like most of my reviews. Um, so, what I can tell you about this film is that yeah, it explores the life of this poor family who have moved to their ancestral home um, of the father, who is an aspiring writer, but he's sort of taking jobs in between um, uh, working as a, as a bit of a priest, I believe, and um, working in some religious sects, but also trying to, I guess, educate and do the best by his children and family. But he finds this uh, very tough. And primarily the, the mother, a, a lot of people might think that Apu uh, is the lead character of this, and you'd be forgiven for thinking that. Um, I suspect as the trilogy goes on, he'll take more of a leading role. But truly, um, the mother 
uh, Sarah Bayaja is is in essence the main character along with uh, Apu's older sister Durja and we we are introduced to the family by these two wonderful wonderful characters and there's such a brilliant um, mother-daughter relationship at play here because you know we've got this eccentric uh, adventurous young girl Durja who is just a, an absolutely fantastic character to follow along um, and you can see uh, later in the film that Apu get, really gets his adventurous spirit from her um, you know, she's sort of uh, constantly roaming and she's getting in trouble for stealing fruit off other people's trees and other families that are a bit more well-off than they are. And there's a lot of subtle uh, work that goes into showing you just how poor the family is without ever explicitly saying it, you know, just uh, the details in the production design, whether it be the the bricks falling apart or the the, the house itself or, or, or the way that characters um, act in certain situations regarding food and money and and anything really to do with, with poverty in itself. And essentially, yeah, Durga is getting in trouble um, a lot and the mother has to essentially punish her a lot and she tries to keep her in check while trying to be a good mother but also is becoming more and more frustrated at her own. I believe it's I believe it's an in-depth thing of her own inability to provide and the husband's inability to provide for the family. It really weighs on her. And this is such a fascinating journey and arc to follow along for the mother as as she comes to terms with the fact that, you know, her her life hasn't quite panned out how she how she would have liked. And it's it's really an emotional roller coaster this film because what it balances out so well are these these moments of profound sadness and profound um, <clears throat> uh, longing for a better life that we see through particularly the mother um, who is a bit more of a realist than the optimistic father who is sort of always chasing um, chasing after his dreams and chasing after you know money to provide but but so but I guess the the moments of him actually providing are so far and few between. Um, whereas the mother is a bit more of a realist and we, we see just the, the toll that this takes on her throughout the film and the, the constant need to, to provide for her children and to be there for them and while also you know trying to maintain a family and a home. Um, and this, this is contrasted by the wonderful beautifulness that we see of the innocence of the eyes of the children, you know, um, Durga and Apu spend most of their days outside in the, in the wilderness of, of India and, you know, they're running through beautiful landscapes and having fun and laughing. And consistently throughout the film, we just see little, little moments, I guess, that begin to shred away that innocence that the children have. Um, and it is really a story of a loss of innocence and, and the realities that poverty bring to childhood. And, and this is such a, I think even today, this is such a, a crucial film because it's so many young children and young families live in poverty today and it is profoundly sad and we don't often get to see see their struggles or, or hear their voices um you know we we only see what the what the western media portrays of it you know which is humanitarian efforts and all these types of things but we we so rarely see the grim realities of it and this film does such a great job at showing you that but also not losing the humanity of the people involved, you know, I, I think that if you think of these people only as only as victims, which they, of course, they are, they're victims of circumstance, victims of, of many things in the world, but they're also beautiful people with dreams and hopes and, and capability of love and love for one another and adventure and spirit. 
and this film encapsulates all of that somehow. <laughs> this is this film somehow uh, manages to to reduce you to tears of laughter and joy, and that is just um, such a fascinating thing. I, I think that I think that the the poverty of this film is 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 so so powerful at times, and I'm sort of spitballing right now, just um trying to figure out what to say because. I guess the the immersion of the film hasn't really worn off for me yet. These characters feel so real, and this film this feels like the kind of film that really would have inspired uh, directors like Richard Linklater. And I'm certain after just seeing this first of the trilogy that um, that the Before trilogy would have taken a lot of inspiration from this because um, just following um, characters over over such a long period of their life um, is such a fascinating way to, to depict people and to, to understand people. And by the end of this film, you truly do feel like you've understand, you understand these people and, and you feel how they feel. And I, I can't remember too many cinematic experiences where I felt as connected emotionally to the journeys of these characters. Um, and it is just such a profound poetic film. Um, yeah, I, I honestly can't. I honestly can't wait to, to watch the other two in the trilogy. For anyone that doesn't know, it is a trilogy of films. Um, as I haven't seen the other two yet, I can't comment on on their quality. But from what I've heard, they they just they just continue to <laughs> to get uh, better and better and better. So I cannot wait to continue. Um, I think uh, one last thing I should probably say about this film, I think, is important, is just going back to the impact of of the director Celiat Rai. You know, um, the importance of, of India having a voice like this, you know, that India has never been a has never been a, a country that, that has been detached from film because ever since the Lumineer brothers um, initially sort of brought film to the wider world, India was, was a massive part of that and and at this the time of this film's release in the fifties, I believe India was actually the biggest um, market in the world for film, obviously with the success of, of Bollywood and still to this day is such a mass producer of film and of art. Um, but to have something like this as a, a sort of a crowning achievement of humanitarian filmmaking um, and to be so different from what the country was putting out and so unafraid to show the grim realities of the world in the 50s um, I truly just think it's such a trailblazing film and has instantly, honestly, become one of my favorite films. And I, I cannot wait to, to rewatch this already. Um, I cannot recommend it enough to anyone that's interested in humanitarian um, art pieces and in seeing the lives of, of people in poverty and, and, I guess, understanding the beauty and horror that goes along with these lives. Yeah, so anyone that would love to see a coming-of-age film about poverty, I recommend Pada Panchali, absolutely. And yeah, I think I'm probably going to end it off there and um, ruminate on this film a little bit more. But absolutely, I'll be watching the other two and hopefully we'll continue the conversation about how terrific these films are. So until then, guys, have a great day. <laughs>